Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth with your host, Diane Helbig. Diane is a leading small business development and leadership coach, author, and speaker who is passionate about sharing valuable ideas, tips, and techniques with business professionals worldwide. Diane brings you the world's experts and gurus in all things business, whether it's sales, structure, social media, planning, or plateauing, guests bring their expertise and energy to each episode. When growing your business is your focus, Accelerate Your Business Growth is the show to listen to. Got a topic or guest suggestion? Let Diane know. The goal is to make sure you have the information you need to move your business forward. Thanks for joining us. Settle in and enjoy. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. Today's podcast is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free book when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth. Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast continues to enjoy inclusion on lists of the best podcasts to listen to. Uh, and is gaining recognition as a resource for small business owners, entrepreneurs, sales professionals, and uh, just business leaders in general. This is really because of the great guests who I have had the pleasure of speaking with over the years. These are folks who have expertise in certain areas of business, and they join me to have a conversation where they share that expertise with all of you. Today is no different. Today, my guest is Richard Nongard. Richard is an expert in business leadership and business psychology. He started out in car sales in the early 1980s and parlayed his sales experience into leadership experience by moving on as an entrepreneur and executive in both the healthcare and educational sectors. He's a licensed psychotherapist who shares his training in counseling as a degree of, I'm sorry, Okay. Who views his training, not a problem, who views his training in counseling as a degree in problem solving. Richard has written over 15 books in psychology and business leadership. He is a serial entrepreneur and has owned several restaurants and e-commerce platforms. Thanks so much for joining me today, Richard. Well, thank you, Dan. It's great to be here and with all of your listeners as well. Well, they are thrilled to have you here. Leadership is a, a very important topic, as is sales, and I find that sales is something that small business owners are challenged by. So talk to me some about how our subconscious mind uh, works, uh, you know, when it comes to business leadership 
and how we can retrain it so that we can be better leaders. When I'm doing either sales training or training with executive teams on leadership or even frontline employees on leadership, I'm always constantly stressing the importance of recognizing the limited beliefs that we hold in our deep subconscious mind. The reality is wherever we are today is often a product of our previous experiences, some vocational, some in our family, some in our real world and our community and our relationships, but we, we bring those beliefs and often limiting beliefs to the point where we are today. And by being able to step beyond or transcend that which is holding us back, we can be a transformational leader. We can be a top salesperson or an entrepreneur who breaks out and heads to the highest level possible. Interesting. So I find that so interesting because um, I, I, I don't, I mean, obviously, because it's in our subconscious, we don't really realize that we are telling ourselves things that are keeping us from being more successful, right? What, whatever those sorts of, uh, I'll call them dialogues or scripts we have going on in our head. Absolutely. You know, there's a, a story, and I can't remember the athlete, but it was in the 1950s. No one had done a four-minute mile. And as soon as he ran a four-minute mile, you know, 10 more people broke that record within the next year. And we hold beliefs that often keep us from achieving success. In sales, the belief that nobody can sell more than a million, a million dollars in a month, or nobody can sell more than you know 30 units in 30 days, or whatever the limiting belief is. In entrepreneurship and business, we hold the limiting belief that this idea could never become a franchise, or we hold the limiting belief that uh, you know this is gonna remain a mom and pop organization, or we, whatever the limiting beliefs are. And just like the four-minute mile, uh, once we overcome those barriers, our greatest potential is unleashed. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, so um, what are the seven leadership tactics to drive sales? Well, probably number one is to move away from goal setting and move into daily intentions. When I'm doing training with individuals, this is the thing that they struggle with the most because we've all been taught smart goals and how smart they are. And that if we don't set goals, well, the old expression is, if you aim for nothing, you'll hit nothing. And so goals are an ingrained element of how we approach sales. But the reality is goal setting can actually become a downward spiral towards mediocrity. And the reason why is our natural tendency is to actually revise our goals downward as we get close to the date because we want to feel congruent or good about reaching our goal, not about not hitting our goals. So it can actually be a self-defeating trap. There's a lot of anxiety about goal setting and the goals that we set tend to be the expectations that we believe others would have us achieve. And the reality is there are even ethical concerns as some of our biggest companies in banking and retail have discovered. Sure, companies yeah. hit targets when they set them, but the reality is uh, sometimes it can have, uh, those goals can be reached at the expense of the customer experience. And so moving into intention is far more valuable than goal setting. Wow, I love that. Well, there's actually a bunch of research that shows that intention setting is 
uh, is more effective and it's been my experience that when I look back at the months where previously I would have set goals, when I've been setting an intention on a daily basis, I almost always step into abundance and achieve wildly beyond any goals I would have set for myself. The reason why is goals are in the present. Nobody else, intentions are in the present. Nobody else can say I am for me. Only I can say that. So if I set the intention, let's say I'm in sales, I am confident. I am articulate. I am trustworthy or whatever intention I need to be today in order to be the most effective salesperson. I don't have to wait to achieve it. I can actually achieve it in the morning when I step out of the shower before I even get to my car. And so it becomes a much more powerful technique for success in driving sales. Wow. That is, that is, I can feel that. That is so interesting. What's interesting is that people, people really have a hard time with this. They struggle with changing their mindset, but we, we know we can change our mindset, but we've had ingrained this training on smart goals and everybody sits in a sales training with anxiety about not achieving somebody else's expectations. And the reality is we can all be abundant today. We can all be, uh, we can all be confident today. We can, we can all be our best today by setting an intention. And that unleashes a, a subconscious potential that many people never realized they had. And what happens is we see our successes through intention setting and we have a complete transformation and that transformation can change a person's entire career or more specifically an entire company's trajectory. Okay. Wait. So what would you say to the person who's, who's a salesperson who's listening and says, okay, that's all well and good, but I am given goals that I have to, reach like I don't get to set them they are set for me by my sales manager and I don't necessarily think they're realistic that's a big problem and 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 Richard talking about this on a few podcasts probably isn't going to change the entire culture of the sales industry when others impose their desire on us though we can transcend that by placing a greater level of importance on our own Um, on our own intentions. And when we have ownership of our intentions, like I said, we wildly exceed any goals others might expect us to achieve and probably will excel far beyond it. And the sales manager will say, how did you do that? I set an impossible goal. My answer to that would be, I didn't, uh, uh, I, I, I didn't reach your goal. I lived my intention and both are going to smile at the end of the month because that's money in the bank. Right. So if I'm hearing you correctly, really what you're saying is, so don't even focus on the goal. Focus on your intention because your intention is what's going to get you moving forward and achieving. Well, I I, I wrote a book titled Viral Leadership, and the subtitle is Seize the Power of Now to Create Lasting Transformation in Business. And, And I know that you have a slogan that's very similar in seizing the power of now. The reality is, Tomorrow, next month, next year isn't here. The only thing we can actually impact is today. And when we learn how to act on intention, we are acting in this moment. That is how we seize the power of now. Uh, Carpe diem couldn't exist without intention. And we all know that carpe diem goes far beyond any of our expectations. Right. 
Wow, this this is great. Okay, so that's number one. One leadership, right? <laughs> it's a big one. I like it. It's really yeah, as great. You can see, I do, I do, I do full day trainings on this. So as you can see, yeah. I'm a yeah. lot of time really developing this out. But uh, absolutely, yeah. So what's number two? But number two is to craft a shared narrative with our sales team members, and this builds both esprit de corps, which we know is so important, uh, camaraderie, uh, a shared experience. But a shared narrative is a story that is told together. When we want employees to adopt our vision or our goal, uh, it's far more effective rather than imposing that on the calendar to craft a shared narrative about our potential, about our resources, about our strengths. And this always drives sales. It, it's related to, uh, I think, the, the, the third thing, which is leading sales by engaging customers as your first follower. You know, a lot of salespeople have a lot of autonomy. They, they you know, may only report back to the office maybe once a week or even less frequently than that in some positions and in some industries. And so sometimes salespeople think, well, who am I leading? I'm, I'm really autonomous. But the reality is our first customer can become a co-leader, a first follower. This is how we build a referral-based business rather than a prospecting-based business. And when we craft a narrative or a shared story with our customers, we create exponential sales potential. Okay, can you give me an example of what that would look like? Sure. So you mentioned that I have a degree in uh, counseling. I view my counseling experience and degree really as a as a problem solving degree. But back in the 1980s, I sold cars. I was working on my master's degree in counseling, and so I wanted to practice counseling. But I had this job that was getting in my way, and so I began to fashion myself as the car counselor right, where I would really try to listen to my ups. That's what you call them in the car business. I would listen to my customers. I would, I, I would, I would ask them about crazy things like, do you have a dog? And, you know, how far is your commute? And uh, just any question I could think of, because when they answer questions, they are literally telling me their story. And then I would create a shared story with them about ideas or experiences that I had or things that they caused me to look at within myself. And when I began to do that, they began to look for solutions rather than just a car. And I found that by developing rapport with them, I could spend a lot of time with them. And when I spent two or three hours or four hours with a customer there in the car lot, um, uh, we, would, uh, we, would, we would begin to share a narrative together, maybe even, um, maybe even joining forces against the sales manager in order to get them exactly what they truly needed in the way of financing or extras or whatever else. And by crafting this narrative with them, uh, there was a bond. And the result was that on Saturdays, I didn't have to take any ups because all my referrals kept coming in from my previous customers who had their deepest needs met with their new Pulsar or their new Maxima or their new Sentra or their new pickup truck or whatever it was they bought. And so I really learned the value of turning customers into your follower by creating that shared narrative with them, that shared experience with them. That, that is so interesting. So you're really, so you're connecting with them. You're, you're creating 
an experience with them that they certainly are not getting anywhere else from any other car salesperson. And so, and, and in that case, you really are helping them solve a problem that they have told you they have, not one that you are assuming that they have. Nobody ends up on a car lot by accident, okay? Nobody nobody yeah. just randomly shows up at a car lot. So you either need something or you want something if you're on a car lot. So yeah. my job as their car counselor was to help them find their need or get what they wanted. Those are the same techniques that a psychotherapist uses in their office to help a depressed person achieve happiness or to help a couple who has dissension to come to agreement and the real estate sales, car sales, appliance sales, life insurance sales, uh, financial services sales. Those are all often situations where we have to navigate the terrain of somebody's relationship and those skills when they are taught in, uh, when they are taught to, uh, to salespeople, push forward their success to a level that they've never had before. Boy, I am, I can bet. Wow. So just wow. last week, my wife and I, we were, we were out house shopping and it's kind of interesting because we've been to at least 20 different communities or 20 different, you know, model homes. And yeah. at all of these, nobody has asked for my name or my email or my phone number. I've talked to them. I've asked for brochures. I've, I've asked them what upgrades were included and all those sorts of things. Uh, how much the, uh, you know, the back porch awning cost as an extra a and everybody let me walk out the door with actually, without actually um, getting anything other than my first name without getting away to kidding. 20 of them. The only one who was different was actually, I live in Las Vegas. We decided to go over the mountains over to Perup just to see the model homes that were there because there's some new communities there. And the salesperson there was so wonderful. Not only did she get uh, the information, but she took us on a tour of the three models they had. She created an experience asking us to visualize uh, our family here, our dog in here, sitting out here and dining. And I wanted to buy a house from her just because she was so awesome, uh, even yeah. though I'm not actually going to live 50 minutes away from where my office is. <laughs> okay. So... I, I'm going to um, offer a story in confirmation of what you are talking about, and sure. it is a car buying story. And and you know most people hate buying cars, and and I have a tendency to go into a dealership and say, okay, I'm going to buy a car. I'm not buying it today. I'm really just experiencing different sorts of cars to see what I like. So. I had test driven a car and then I was still looking online and I found a car at a dealership that I wanted to test drive. And so I filled up a little form online and someone got back to me and I, and I said, listen, I'm not buying a car. I just want to drive this one. I just, I, I will be buying a car, but I don't know. I've driven an SUV. I just, I don't know what I want. So I go in and I make an appointment with this woman. I go in, we get in the car I start driving. She and I start talking about our kids. Cause, and I don't know this woman from Adam, but the, the two of us are having such a great conversation in the car that I, I didn't even necessarily pay attention to the car because I was just, we, we were both moms. You know, we were just connecting on this level. So when we got done, she said, I said, well, so I need my husband to come out and, and test drive it and see what he thinks. And she said, great. If you see any other cars at any of our other locations that you want to test drive, just let me know and I'll have it over here and blah, blah, whatever. And I went home and I said to my husband, okay, 
we need to go out there. You need to drive it. I need to sit in the passenger seat because I didn't pay any attention to the car. Right. <laughs> he was this woman, right? She heard me when I said, I am not going to buy today. I am, she knew that I had driven this SUV. She asked me what I liked about it. When I, but we so connected that it, it was me having the opportunity to decide that that was the car that I wanted instead of her trying to talk me into it or convince me or whatever. I mean, she heard me say, we have our own financing, the, the whole thing. She was so connective and problem solving that it, it, it was great. I mean, we bought the car. I, have, I talk about her all the time. I, you know, she calls me periodically just to see how we're doing, how the kids are doing. It, it's a game changer. Absolutely. You know, what she did was she created either intentionally or unintentionally a shared narrative with you. And she knew that when you left, because she did listen to you, that you would be back. She had confidence that the contact she made was strong enough that eventually you would return and purchase a car from her. And people miss that opportunity. My wife and I were actually car shopping a few weeks ago. We went to the Mercedes dealer and she had seen a, you know, she, we were driving by and there was a, a, a little SUV that she liked. She's been talking about it for a few months. And uh, what's interesting is that the sales person actually opened up and showed us at least three cars, maybe even four going and get the keys showing it to us. But again, he never got our name, our, our, our phone number or our email to follow up. And, and and he didn't create a shared narrative. He, uh, I tend to be a talker, and he was you know listened to a couple things I said, but obviously was a little distracted. He did not pay attention to my wife at all, who by the way probably would have bought a car that day if he had just closed closed. And, and what's interesting is I asked him at the end, you know, how long have you worked here? And he actually told me nineteen years. Oh. And so even experienced salespeople, obviously he's good at his job or he wouldn't be there for 19 years, but even experienced people can lose the opportunity to connect. And, and he had a, uh, uh, he, he obviously was not originally from America, but because of his accent, my wife is not from America originally, as you can tell by her accent. Uh, there, are, there are a lot of different ways they could have connected, that he could have yeah. included her in the process by simply even asking, where, where is it that you are from? Um, and, and wow, I, I walked away thinking I'm really glad that I went car shopping today because it gave me another story on the value of creating that shared narrative. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's just tragic. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, before we get into the others, cause, and actually I, I might even leave some of them so people can get in touch with you and sure, go sure. a little deeper with you, but I, we've been talking, we, you mentioned about like, um, when you were selling cars that, that you got so many referrals and I'm wondering if you could talk about why referrals are so important for business growth. Well, referrals are important for business growth because they're the number, they're the leading indicator of satisfied customers. You don't have to do a customer satisfaction survey when you're getting a lot of referrals because you know your customers are satisfied. So it's a great indicator of how you're doing. But it's much easier, again, whether it's real estate, financial services, or really any retail sales, um, to have those referrals because a referral based business model is so much easier than a prospecting-based referral model. And again, people miss the opportunity to simply ask for referrals. 
I always say there's three things necessary for success in business. Engage the community, align with the culture, and build a bigger footprint, an affirmative identity. And that first one, engage the culture, is so important. Do you get out of the office and go meet people? Um, do you Are you willing, in the case of your car salesperson, willing to come over and show your husband at the house because he doesn't have enough time to go to the car dealership? Well, wow, that's the extra step. That That's always, right. and there's no salesperson who can't do that. Um, and, and, and so by engaging community, we, we create a referral-based network. And there are so many strategies for engaging community, both online and offline. Uh, I see people really miss the mark in their internet marketing. They create a fan page for, you know, Richard's sales page or whatever. Uh, well, no one's gonna like my, you know, my Nissan page or like Richard the carpet cleaning salesperson's page or like Richard the real estate agent sales page. Why would they like it? But what they will like and what they will engage in is a community page. Uh, the Las Vegas is awesome page or the or or the Peoria, Illinois is awesome page or the Tulsa is awesome page. And now I can create a, a, a community online about my community. But because I'm the moderator, I can come in and remind them periodically that one of the awesome things is that I'm here as a resource to them. Yeah, right. That's interesting. Okay. All right. This, this is so interesting. So, um, so let's go back. And, and what is number three of the leadership tactics that drive sales? Well, I kind of combine number two and three. Number number three oh, was okay. lead sales by engaging customers as your first follower. But number four is really to train teams in that subconscious aspect of selling, which involves mindfulness and flow. There's been a lot of a lot of talk in sales and marketing about flow or peak performance states. That comes out of our subconscious uh, ability to connect with the moment, mindfulness. It was the great master Uguay who said, yesterday is history, tomorrow is a mystery, all we have is the present, and that's why it's a gift. And the only way to, the only way to excel is to be mindful, to, 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 to create an intention in the flow of the moment. The great master Uguay, by the way, is of course the turtle from Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> and his words of wisdom are great for every salesperson to internalize. Isn't that great? <laughs> so I speak Chinese uh, and the, uh, the the Chinese word for turtle is Uguay, so it's actually Mr. Turtle. Oh, I say. Okay, thank you for that. Th yeah. th thanks for yeah closing that loop. Um, so one of the things that I love about about this and with mindfulness is that I, the the opposite side of it of you know, distraction and not being focused and not being intentional is um, that that it's like the salespeople who you experienced when you were house shopping or when you went to the Mercedes dealership that they're really not focused they're they're not in the moment they're thinking like three steps ahead they're thinking about what they need to do they're thinking about anything but the conversation that you're having I'm or sorry, this, that, that your wife is from someplace else i mean they're just they're not thinking about a car he had to deliver or he had to pick his kid up from soccer practice yeah. or whatever and, and my my son uh my son and my daughter both graduated from college this past may uh, at my son's graduation it 
was kind of interesting because I noticed all the other parents around me with their cameras and I, I did not bring a camera. And the reason why I didn't bring a camera is I did not want to miss that moment of my son's graduation by observing it through a tiny little camera lens. I wanted to be fully present for it. But a lot of parents were messing around with their cameras and missed what was going on because they were so worried they might not have it for the future. And the great thing is that when we practice mindfulness, and it is something that has to be practiced so that it becomes a habit, uh, we can be fully in the present. And that's how we activate our greatest levels of potential. Yeah, boy. It's, it's really, I um, am probably one of those people who was not mindful enough and, and was really distracted and I don't know at what point I, I thought, okay, hang on a second. This is probably when it all became a thing. And so I practice because I totally get what you're saying. You have to practice it. It's not something that, that really comes naturally. But I noticed that when I walk my dog, I am totally present. I, I, you know, it is a conscious decision that I am going to be aware of everything that is going on. And part of the reason is because I have to know if there's other animals around right, <laughs> because exactly. the dogs are going to go chase them. Right. So it's almost forced, but it's so, um, um, rejuvenating. You know, it's really, it's an interesting practice. And some of us are good at practicing that in our daily life. Like when we W A L K, I have to spell it because she's sitting <laughs> right next to me. Right, right, right. right. Uh, and so we, we might have a practice either intentionally or unintentionally of being mindful. But when I do sales training, I guide people through a very specific exercise that actually teaches them how to learn paying attention to the moment. And it's an aha experience. It takes me two minutes, but when, when they when they learn that it's not just a platitude or where it's kind of like you know leadership leadership is actually an academic subject you can get a doctorate in. i have a doctorate in leadership for baki graduate university and you can tell the difference between leaders who have never studied leadership we can observe that in politics as we watch tv mm -hmm. on the nightly news um and leaders who really have studied foundations of leadership, anything ranging from Peter Drucker to, you know, the ideas of, of, of Burns and other academics. And, and the same thing with mindfulness. It, it's been platituded so much that we forget that it is an actual discipline that can be studied and mastered relatively easy. I give the salespeople and the executives I'm training a 21-day path to mastering the moment. What happens is at the end of 21 days or sometimes beforehand, they, they say to me, Richard, wow, uh, this actually works because I noticed that I was being mindful of the red lighter when I was with a customer or as I was doing the financial reports or wherever it is that they normally do, at home with the kids at home when they normally don't manifest mindfulness and it becomes something very real to them rather than just another book or just another slogan at a, at a sales conference. Exactly. Right. That's exactly. And you have to experience it. I think to, to really feel that and notice, how different it is from our everyday motoring through the world because people think that they're attentive. They, they think that they're aware and they're not. 
It's amazing how unaware we are and, and how the mind looks for patterns. This is, again, I, I've applied my psychology training in, in the business context. And it's, uh, you know, our, our, our eyes and our mind are taught to seek patterns. When we, when we don't pay attention to what those patterns are, we miss opportunities. So in my trainings, I'm always training the skills of identifying the patterns in communication, in the visualization, in what it is that we hear in what it is that we see ourselves as well as others doing. And when those patterns are identified, there is an ability to, again, excel beyond our wildest expectations. Yeah, wow, really, it, it is great. So I'm gonna take a quick sponsor break. Sure. Um, and, and then we'll talk some more, but before I do, of the 15 books that you've written, are any of them on Audible? Uh, my most recent book is titled Viral Leadership Sees the Power of Now to Create Lasting Transformation in Business. And as of last week, it is on Audible's. Uh, nice. Yeah, okay. my, my, my co-author, RJ Banks, um, uh, is a professional broadcaster and audio engineer. And he uh, recorded the entire four plus hours uh, into, uh, into audio and put it on Audible's. So oh, it's so great. Okay. All right, good. Because I'll, I'll include it in the, in yeah. the role. So, okay, good. Uh, Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast is happy to be sponsored by Audible. Audible is a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. They have over 150,000 titles to choose from, and you can listen to them on any device, including whatever you're hearing us on right now. If you sign up at our link, which is audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth, you get one free audiobook and a one-month trial of the service. Some examples of books you can listen to on audible.com are Viral Leadership by our current guest, uh, Richard Nongard, and The Irresistible Consultant's Guide to Winning Clients by David A. Field. So visit audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth, explore the books that are of interest to you, and receive one free audiobook when you sign up for the trial. As I mentioned, we are speaking with Richard Nongard about leadership tactics that drive sales. Um, I, I, so where, so let's see, we did number four, right? So sure. we'll just, we'll go ahead and go through them. What is the fifth tactic of leadership that drives sales? Well, the fifth one is future pacing customer decisions for them using the language of visualization. This is what that salesperson did in Perump when I went to look at a house that I'm definitely not going to buy. Um, again, I just wanted to see what was on the other side of the mountains. But she yeah. spent probably an hour, an hour and a half with us. And, and, and I wanted to buy a house there, even though it certainly wasn't practical, just because, um, just because of the, the, the narrative that she created using future pacing and visualization. Um, and, and about, not, not everybody's a visual learner, but, a, but it seems like about 70 to 80% have a real acuity in creating visualizations. And so it's one way to create a shared narrative and to future pace because anything that exists has to be an idea first. So the microphone in front of me didn't just materialize, it had to be an idea first. A car in my garage, had to be an idea first. Somebody had to decide to make a, you know, a four-door sedan painted black that, you know, could resist dog hair. And, and so somebody had to come up, some, some engineer, it had to be an idea. Well, sales is engineering, marketing is engineering, executiving and leadershiping are, are, are engineering. What we're engineering is 
the idea of success that can exist or the sale that can be closed or the experience that the customer has. And we can share a language of visualization with our customers to create that experience for them. Wow. Okay. Is that, that sounds like something that uh, is um, not universally done. Absolutely it's not. It's not done by, by the majority of salespeople. Yeah. Is it hard for salespeople to embrace? No, there's a ton of resources to help us. Right now, sitting on my desk is a is a book from the idea of appreciative inquiry, but it's titled The Encyclopedia of Positive Questions, using appreciative inquiry to bring out the best in your organization. It's just a book of questions. The way to create a visual experience for a client is to ask them to create what's called a transderivational search, to look inside of themselves for the answers. And so when a salesperson learns a questioning approach and there are lots of books and resources to help us develop excellent questions we as salespeople will create essentially a quiver full of potential questions that we can ask and it's okay if we ask today's customer the same question we asked the last five customers because they don't know each other they don't know that this right. is a stock inventory of questions but it has the same outcome it causes it, it, if I talk about me or if I talk about the product or even if I talk about them, it really doesn't get inside. And when we have a person make that transderivational search and look deep inside of them, I can direct it with visual language so that the answer they see is them with the product or service that we're offering. Interesting. Okay. None of these strategies are hard. Uh, every salesperson can learn the art of visual language. Uh, I, I can teach it in, in, in a one-hour sales meeting, or I, I can teach it in a one-hour keynote speech to a thousand people, and, and they'll leave with the strategies and ideas that, that, that they can actually take action on tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 that I totally get, and, and I am a huge proponent of doing more discovery and questioning and connecting than telling. Cause I, I don't think anybody is listening to the things we're saying until it's connected to what they want, you know, what, what their, what, what their um, solution is, well, you know, what their goal is, whatever the problem is when they see, when they've had an opportunity to, to talk about it and discuss it and then maybe being that moment and then we can connect our solution to that, it makes all the difference in the world, but no one's listening until they're, until they have a, an interest in it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Six. Uh, six is actually um, a sharing confidence convincers. That's what I call it with a sales team so they can overcome the negative self-talk that can sabotage a deal. And what I mean by that is we know we are successful when we can look at our previous successes. And yeah. 
I, I've been to so many sales meetings. I, whenever I'm doing coaching or consulting or a keynote, I always try to go to some of the sales meetings ahead of time. Uh, just sit in and be an observer. And, and one of the observations I make is that the sales manager or the marketing director or the CEO or whoever happens to be there will often talk about what they're not achieving, what it is that they need to overcome, why, uh, why the goal wasn't hit last month or uh, any of these sorts of things. Well, focus equals fuel. If I'm focusing on what's wrong, what's not happening, what we're not doing correctly, um, then, uh, then I'm going to, uh, I'm going to, uh, energy goes, you know, where, where our language flows. And, yeah. and I'm, I'm going to be focused on what's wrong. I, at my next contact with a customer, I'm going to be thinking about what was wrong because my sales manager told me that I wasn't demonstrating value by, you know, taking a long enough period of time or whatever it is that I was told. The reality is a much more effective sales meeting is let's take a look at the sales we did close last month. What did we do right? Let's all go around the room and talk about the, the, the sales we did close last month. Maybe we didn't close as many as we want to, but we closed some sales. How did we get that sale? What did we do to earn their business? What was different about this contact than maybe the, the, the 10 previous contacts where a sale wasn't made? And when we focus on what's right, these are the confidence convincers that, that, that help us to step into abundance, that help us step into what's right. If I have a company where 94%, you know, there's 6% of the customers are complaining and I want to get the complaints down to 4%, well, I'm going to figure out what we're doing to make the 96% happier and try to spend more time doing that. And, and it's a much more effective solution than trying to fix what is wrong. Oh, definitely. Yeah, it makes so much sense. But that that's exactly what we do, right? We focus on the negative. It's like when, when kids are in school and they bring home their report card and they've got all A's and a B minus. And what, what do the parents do? They go straight to the B minus and go, okay, what happened here? Exactly. So, uh, and wow, companies, so great. The companies hire me because they don't know how to change this culture. And they, they, they promise themselves they will do it, but they don't have a system or mechanism for doing yeah. that. And that's what I try to bring to the table it is a system and a, and a mechanism for, uh, for these confidence convincers and to begin every sales meeting with them. So, okay, so, so last leadership tactic, number seven. The last one on my list is to create a foundation of authenticity. In, in my book on viral leadership, we talked about you know the different quadrants of viral leadership and how we can create leadership to make things last and be sustaining. Business is like art or literature. There are literally businesses that are around for hundreds and even thousands of years. We all brushed our teeth with Colgate toothpaste, but it's been here for 250 years. There's a restaurant in Austria that's been serving meals since the 1600s. There's a construction company in Japan that had been building, building temples and industrial buildings uh, for over 1,600 years. So business can be lasting. It can be sustaining. But it comes on a foundation of authenticity always. And this is why it's so important for leaders, sales leaders, executive leaders, new leaders to all look inside of themselves for the transformation first because when we transform ourselves we step into not only our greatest level of potential but the ability to engage others team building doesn't come because we all share an afternoon on a ropes course together helping each other you know 
you know, jump over logs. Team building comes because we are authentic and actually have compassion and care and want to educate those who we share space with. And, and, and when we do that, um, it creates real world solutions for the entire company. Peter Drucker famously said, culture eats strategy for breakfast and authenticity is what makes a company culture successful. Yeah, yeah, you can't fake it, right? You, you, you can't give it lip service and expect it to work. Absolutely not. Yeah. We need to bring both our, our, our professional self as well as our personal self to the shared space of the office or the meeting or the vision that, that we're trying to create. Yeah, definitely. And by the way, back to vision again. Vision isn't something for the future. We can step into our vision today with the correct intention. We can. That's the great thing. Uh, an effective vision statement is a living vision. It's not a future vision. Oh, that's that's a good point. So you have the vision, but then your focus is on what you're doing now to get there? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. The vision should be a living vision. It should be what we're experiencing right now. Uh, I can sit with, you know, 10 salespeople in a, in a sales meeting. We can all be confident today. Uh, and if somebody isn't confident, somebody might speak up and say, hey, you know what? I just blew the last three deals. I'm not confident. Now we have the strength of the group to lift that person up and to share an idea of how we have, in fact, uh, uh, how, how others have handled that same situation. I mean, it, it becomes synergistic. It becomes group therapy, if you will. Well, for sure. But that also sounds like it, it uh, requires a certain level of uh, vulnerability. And that's yeah. the great thing about a healthy company culture. Vulnerability is permitted. Invincibility yeah is not because we know that none of us have the energy to sustain invincibility. Yeah, that's really great. It, it's, it's just, and, and once again, for me, it gets back to being, being genuine, being authentic, that, that we have to be ourselves and be able to, in a safe environment, we have to be able to say what's really going on in order for us to fix things that may not be working right. Sure. And, and, you know, I, I think just being ourselves can be a part of the deepest levels of our subconscious communication with others around us. And they can even be the simple things. I've had a couple of foot surgeries. I have a, a, a metal rod in one foot and a fusion, and I have a fake joint in the other foot that doesn't actually work correctly. So I had a bunch of feet problems. So I wear a suit most of the time, but I wear my black orthopedic tennis shoes. Well, I actually had somebody comment the other day that in my, in my video of a presentation I had done, they said, your shoes look horrible. And I said, you know what? Everybody knows that Richard wears crappy shoes and, 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 and they look, you know, they, they don't look as great as somebody's polished shoes, but you know what? I decided a long time ago, if I was going to stand on my feet for eight or 10 hours, I'd rather be comfortable than look good. Yeah. Yeah, and it's authentic. Right. It's, it's authentic. Absolutely, absolutely, and makes perfect sense, right? Mm -hmm. there, I know. Then somebody will say, All right, "What do you do? Forget your shoes?" And all I need to do, all I need to do, is <laughs> say to them, 
oh, I had foot surgery, so I'm wearing, I'm, I'm wearing special shoes. And they, they accept that. And the people who don't say anything but might have thought, that guy was pretty good but had weird shoes, um, they, they actually – they actually won't remember the weird shoes three or four days later. Yeah. What they'll actually remember is that, wow, they've set a new intention that has helped them to exceed any of the goals they previously set. That's all they right. remember. Right. Exactly. Right. That, that's right. Yeah. Cause, cause it's a, it, it just feels like it's about really being able to connect with people on a human level. So they, they feel that, um, relationship, whether it's coworkers, whether it's sales manager to salespeople, whether it's salesperson to prospect or salesperson to client, that, you know, one of the things I always say to people when we're talking about sales is people buy people. They, they you know, they buy the person first, the product second, the company third. So you have to be you and you have to be connecting with the person you're talking to or, you know, it's just, it's not going to work. They're not going to buy. They're not going to feel that trust or synergy or, you know, whatever you want to call it. Uh, that's absolutely essential. I had another sales. I try to study the sales interactions I have. So I, I went to a major retail store with my wife a week or two ago because she wanted to purchase some makeup. Um, and I don't know anything about makeup. And I actually speak Chinese pretty well, but I, I, I can't get into the subtleties of Chinese. And, and she can speak English fine, except when it comes to the subtleties of the language. And And so... Uh, we finally got a salesperson who basically made clear right off the bat, she was short. And if we knew exactly what she wanted, she would get it. And so my response to her was, I'd really like a salesperson who has the ability to spend some time with my wife to help her find what she needs. And, and she looked shocked that I actually said that maybe even a little bit embarrassed. She called somebody else over. Uh, and, and that, the person said, you know, what is it you're looking for? The store was busy. And I said, I don't know the answer to that. And my wife is going to have a hard time telling you. So if you can spend the time with her, she'll probably buy a lot, which is exactly what ended up happening. It's really <laughs> important to do that, to, yeah. to, 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 to co-collaborate with not only our teams in the office, but with the customers and the other stakeholders and the community. Yeah, yeah. And, and it really, I mean, look at the reward from that, just spending the time, but you're just going to get so the opposite. It's so interesting for me because if, if you, you know, otherwise you guys would have left the store, you wouldn't have shopped there. You would have gone someplace else for her to get what she needed. And in telling the story, you would also be, if you chose to tell which retail location it was, you'd also be sharing with people that those are salespeople who only care about their, their current uh, circumstance. They don't care about really helping their client solve a problem. The woman who was helping her, the, the, the new salesperson, she actually told me, she said uh, um, that, that she was off the clock. Uh, what's interesting is that she actually stayed. I hope that she ended up being able to talk to her manager and clock back in. But even if she didn't, her commission was probably plenty good. So, yeah. uh, so the reward wow. was certainly there. But what's more important is my wife will always go look for her. My wife, yeah. from this point forward, will buy makeup from her at that store for as long as she works there. Yep. 
Yep. And and the and the leaders of the store hopefully appreciate the level of attentiveness that that salesperson gave to your wife. And hopefully they'll recognize that the other person isn't providing that service yeah. because there are plenty of people who would like a job like that. Yeah. Yeah, good point. But, you know, uh, the reality is hopefully the managers will recognize that probably they're failing in their training. I actually have no doubt that the first person could be taught some of the skills that could have helped her to become a more empathetic salesperson, which yeah. would help her to exceed. You know, empathy is something that, that, that can and should be taught. When I was in graduate school in counseling, I had a whole class on advanced, accurate empathy because therapists need to be empathetic. Well, so do salespeople. And yeah. I went to grad school 30 years ago, but I still teach some of those same skills to to, to the salespeople I work with from that right. class. Yeah, yeah. It, it is eternal or evergreen, right, is what they say. Empathy mm -hmm. is something everyone needs to embrace a little bit better. Um, wow, th this is so great. Okay, so um, I'm I'm curious about because I think this says probably a lot about leadership. You took a trip to China and I would love it if you would share with the listeners what that trip told you about doing business in America. Well, I'm actually writing another book and my book is titled Maximum Connection. Maximum, Maximum Connection, Leadership Secrets from the Ghost of Sage Valley. So, uh, a short summary of the book I'm working on now is real simple. China has been the leading economic power on the planet Earth for 5,000 years. The last 200 years have been an aberration. Without a doubt, for the next, if you look at any of the reports about China's economic strength, China is poised to again dominate the world economy for the next 5,000 years. Uh, so here's the question for all of us, whether we do business in China or not. What is it that has created a long-lasting, sustaining leadership position in, uh, in China? Um, what, what can we learn from that? What can we model? They have a 5,000-year tradition of business, and we have a 200-year tradition of business. Is there any way that we can lead our business into long-term success by using some of those same business strategies? The answer to that is yes. And even if you own a local business, a local pizza shop, you know, a, a local hamburger stand, and, and you're not doing business with the East, what, what can we learn? We can learn the ability to create sustainable business. And if you are doing business with uh, on a global level, B2B business, if we're purchasing or if we're selling uh, anything globally, um, it, it's really important for us to have a clear understanding of the cultural differences in the way that companies do business and that leadership takes place so that we don't miss the opportunities we have to connect at the deepest levels with our foreign counterparts. Interesting. And we really are in a global economy and, and you know, what, what I'm hearing is they have figured it out and we would be wise to pay attention to what works. There are things and they can learn from us, there are things we can learn for them. You know, one of, the, one of the things they could learn is, wow, what caused us to have such incredible progress and growth from being a new country 200 years ago to being the economic dominant powerhouse in the current era? Um, we can all learn from each other. But 
I, I think that um, when we study uh, how a tradition of success is built, we can create a tradition of success as well, even in our small businesses and certainly in our big businesses. Yeah, definitely. Wow. Th this is so great. I, I appreciate this information so much, and I would love it if you would tell the listeners um, how they can find you, you know, your training, your books, everything, please. I'm, I'm easy to find. Uh, ViralLeadership.com. That's my website. Um, my book, of course, Viral Leadership is on Audibles and uh, on Audible and uh, at ViralLeadership.com or my name, RichardNodgard.com. It both leads to the same place, but people always put extra letters in my name. It's N-O-N-G-A-R-D. There's no U. Uh, my, my grandfather took it out when he Americanized it and he's, he, he made it too difficult to spell now. So he... Oh, well, that's what it's supposed to be N-O-N-N-G-A-A-U-R-D, and he took out an A and took out the U, and he should have left the U in there. So it's, anyway, that's but it's just so nodguard.com or richardnodguard.com or viralleadership.com. All the, the, the books, the resources I have, they're all right there on the webpage. You go to audible.com, and you can search. At the bottom of my webpage, though, is a uh, at viralleadership.com is a uh, an ebook titled Community, Culture, and Identity, and it's uh, some some tips for um, activating your leadership at the deepest levels uh, among your sales teams. And you can get that for free right there at viralleadership.com. Oh, that's terrific. Thank you. And, and I want to thank our listeners and our sponsor to get a free trial of audible.com and a free audiobook When you sign up, go to audibletrial.com slash business growth. As always, uh, continue to prosper and be curious. And until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. Hi, my name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called Can I Offer You Some Feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding, or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.